grace is the greatest theme of the Bible. Tomorrow night, the Lord willing, I want to speak on the blood. The great themes of the Bible. But grace is a theme that runs all the way through the Bible. From Genesis to Malachi and from Matthew to Revelation. G-R-A-C-E. See if you remember this. God's riches at Christ's expense. G-R-A-C-E. God's riches at Christ's expense. Let's all say that together. God's riches at Christ's expense. Now, that's what grace is. And grace is available tonight. And in the day of Zechariah and Zerubbabel, there were a lot of difficulties. And some people said, there's no way this thing can be done. You just can't do it. It's impossible. In their case, it was in regard to building the temple. It was also in regard to defending Jerusalem. And when the enemies marched against Jerusalem, they were afraid. And then the voice of God came and said, not by might. In other words, you're not going to defend Jerusalem by might. You're not going to build the temple by might. You're not going to get saved by might. God's not going to deliver you by might. Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord. And then the voice said, there's going to come a great voice among the people of God crying, grace, grace. And it was all grace. Several years ago, somebody wrote a song. Marvelous grace of our loving Lord. Grace that extend, exceeds our sin and our guilt. Yonder on Calvary's mount outpoured, there where the blood of the Lamb was spilled. Sin and despair, like the sea waves cold, threaten the soul with infinite loss. Grace that is greater, yes, grace untold, points to the refuge, the mighty cross. Dark is the stain we cannot hide. What can avail to wash it away? Look, there is flowing a crimson tide. Whiter than snow you may be today. Marvelous, infinite, matchless grace. Freely bestowed on all who believe. You who are longing to see His face, will you this moment His grace receive? Grace, grace, marvelous grace. Grace that is greater than all our sin. Many years ago in England, there was a washerwoman, a lady who made her living by washing clothes, taking in clothes from the neighborhood. Her husband was a seaman, and he had gone out to the high seas, and she seldom heard from him. And he wasn't able to send money home to take care of them. And so this woman washed clothes, took in the neighbor's clothes, and clothes from people all around, and washed them. And in those days, you had to wash on an old scrub board. Any of you ever used an old scrub board? That's what they washed on. And they didn't have dryers that hung, hang the clothes out there on the line. She had a young boy named John. The reason she worked so hard is so John could stay in school. So he could have something to eat. He was just a little boy. Four, and five, six years old. And when John was about seven years old, his mother got very, very sick. Very, very sick. And then 
John's mother died. And John didn't know what to do. He was only seven years old. Anybody here seven years old tonight? Lift your hand. Seven years old. Some of you are seven. That's how old John was when his mother died. His daddy was out on the sea. Well, his daddy learned about the death of the mother. And he sent for young John. And John went out on the sea and became a seaman when he was seven years old. You imagine that. Now listen, the guys out there on the sea didn't care how they talked. They didn't care how they lived. When they'd go into a port, they'd live immoral lives. They'd go and have sex with all the girls around. And they'd all mess up their lives. And young John grew up in this. They cursed, they swore, they told dirty, filthy jokes. And John became all of that. He began to do the same thing. Now earlier, when John's mother was still living, she would read the Bible to him. And she'd pray for him all the time. And as she'd wash her clothes, she'd pray, Lord, save my boy John. Lord, save my boy John. Lord, save my boy John. Lord, make my boy a preacher. Lord, call my boy to be a preacher. And that's what she'd pray all the time. And John remembered hearing that. But remember, he's seven years old. Mother's gone. He's out on the sea with his daddy. Everybody's cussing. Everybody's swearing. Everybody's living immoral lives. And John grew up like that. And his daddy went down to the coast of Africa and became a slave dealer. And they'd go into the interior of Africa and find these black people and bring them out to the coasts and sell them. They literally sell black people. And they load them in their boats like you'd load cattle in a cattle car. And they just push them in and squeeze them in and squeeze them in. Scores and hundreds of those black people. And then they'd take them to other ports and sell them to work. John became a slave dealer. All through his teen years, he was careless in his living, careless in his talking. He was like all the other sailors. You ever heard somebody say he can cuss like a sailor? That's what John did. He was all messed up. His life was all a breeze. Then, one day, out on the Atlantic Ocean, the ship he was on got in trouble. A great big storm came up. And the storm was rocking the ship and everybody thought they were going to go down and go down in a watery grave. John was down in the hold of the ship and scared to death. He thought, I guess I'm going to die. But I'm not ready to die. And I remember before my mother died, she used to pray for me. Lord, save my boy John. Lord, save my boy John. Lord, save my boy John. Lord, call my boy to be a preacher. And John got on his knees and he cried out, God, if you're really a God, if you're my mother's God, I want to ask you to save me. Just like my mother prayed, Lord, save me and I'll do whatever you want me to do. Suddenly, there was a calm in the storm and the ship wasn't rocking any longer. And John lived up to what he promised God. He went back to England, went to school, and later became a preacher. Some years later, John wrote these words, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. 
I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. T'was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears removed. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. It's all of grace. Now I want to say three things about grace tonight. Remember, God's riches at Christ's expense. Number one, the Bible tells us that we're saved by grace. You don't have to turn to it, but in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. For by grace are you saved through faith. Now listen, grace is God's love, God's unmerited favor. Not one person in this room tonight deserve to be saved. Not one. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the wages of that sin is death in a place Jesus called hell. Separated forever from, from God, from love, from the gospel invitation. Nobody in hell ever comes and knocks on your door and urges you to come to Christ. Nobody. Ever, forever and ever. It's over. When you die, nobody will ever invite you to Jesus again if you reject Him. But right now, grace is held out to you. God's riches at Christ's expense. And God says, I love you. I love you. Now, wait a minute. What about our sins? Does God love sin? God hates sin. But God loves the sinner. There's not anybody in this room who hasn't sinned. We've all sinned. There's not a just man on earth that doeth good and sinneth not. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord had to lay on Jesus the iniquity of us all. We're saved not by what we do. We cannot lift ourselves to God by our own bootstraps. We cannot turn over a new leaf and get better. We have to come God's way and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I call on you to forgive my sins and to save me. During this week, several people have been saved. You've not been saved because you started going to church. You've not been saved because you got baptized. That comes after salvation. You've not been saved because you quit your sins. If you're saved, you're saved by grace. By grace. All of God's merit, God's love. Here's an example of it. One day, the Jews, the Pharisees, found a woman committing adultery. Right in the act of adultery. Now listen, young people, and adults, all of us. God hates all kinds of sin. But infidelity is a terrible sin. When a man goes out on his wife, or a wife goes out on her husband, that's a terrible sin. It's a heinous thing. And that's what this woman had done. God hates sin. The Pharisees came dragging that woman to Jesus and he threw her, she, they threw her down and they said, Now, Moses in the law says she ought to be stoned. What do you say? In other words, let's give her the death penalty. Well, I have a question. Where was the man? Why didn't they bring the man there and throw him down? See, it was a double standard. I want to tell you, when a woman commits adultery, it is no greater a sin than when a man commits adultery. And when a man commits adultery, it is no greater a sin than when a woman commits adultery. God hates adultery. He, he hates sexual infidelity. 
impurity. So they threw her down and they said, what do you say about this? And you know what Jesus did? He stooped down in the sand and he began to write. I don't know what it was. He rolled down on the ground or something. Maybe it was the Ten Commandments. Or maybe he looked into their hearts and saw the sins they were committed and committed. Maybe he wrote them. Anyway, he stood up in a moment and he said, Let him that is without sin cast the first stone. And they stooped down and started writing again. In a few moments when he stood up, he looked around and everybody was gone, except that woman. And he said to the woman, Where are your accusers? She said, No man, Lord. You know what Jesus said? Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. You see, that woman was willing to stand there. She could have run off too. Just like all those men did. Matter of fact, it could be that one of those men was the one with whom she committed adultery. They all ran off. The woman stood there. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Now, let me ask you. Was Jesus being light on adultery? No, a thousand times no. But his grace reached out to that poor woman. And he lifted her from the awful sands of sin. And he delivered her to the solid rock which is Christ. And that woman went away not to sin anymore. Not to go on in that same sin. You see, it was grace that lifted her. It was grace that lifted me from sin. It was grace that lifted everyone in this room from sin. The awful shackles of sin. You see, sin is like a terrible monster that gets its hands around you and brings you down, down, and chokes out the righteousness within you, chokes out the goodness within you, chokes out the moral right, moral, moral morality that's within you. It chokes you almost to death, and it makes you a slave. And you go on and on and on in your sins, and finally you give up and say, I can't quit. But that's a lie from the devil. Man. God's grace can reach out and with the great scissors of grace snap those fetters and the guy wires that hold you to those sins will be snapped and God will forgive and God will cleanse and you can be saved just like John Newton was saved. T'was grace that made my heart to fear. You know why we get under conviction about sin? Grace. His love. You see, nobody really ever gets saved until we see the love of God poured out at Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty. Where? At Calvary. At Calvary. At Calvary. And when Jesus died on that cross, they nailed those nails in His hands and in His feet. They drove the spear in his side. They put the crown of thorns down on his brow. And the blood of God streamed down the old rugged cross. And the Lord Jesus looked into the face of God the Father. And he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That was God's grace. And God forgives you tonight. Not because you're good. Not even because you say, Lord, please forgive me. But because you come to Jesus. And you say, Father, I want to remind you that Jesus died for me. He shed His blood for me and I will receive Him as my Savior. And beloved, when you do that, God looks down He doesn't see your sin anymore. He just sees the blood of Jesus that cleanses you from sin. That's God's grace. God's wonderful grace. Are you under that grace tonight? For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. 
Nobody is saved by works. We're saved by grace if we're saved. Now wait a minute. You say that sounds pretty easy. There's another verse I want to give it to you. In Titus, if you're writing these down, Titus chapter 2 beginning with verse 11. You don't have to turn to it, but listen to what it says. Titus chapter 2 verse 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live righteously and soberly in this present world, looking for the glorious appearing of the great God and our Father Jesus Christ, the Savior. Amen. Now, not only does grace save us, we're saved by grace. Brother Lloyd sometimes sings the song, Someday the silver cord will break, and I no more as now shall sing, but oh the joy when I shall wake within the palace of my king, and I shall see him face to face and tell the story, saved by grace. We're saved by grace. But not only does the grace of God save us, the grace of God teaches us. And you know there are a lot of people that don't like that. They want to say I'm saved and I can just live any way I want to live. That's a lie from hell. A lot of people say you Baptists teach that you can be saved and live like the devil and still go to heaven. I don't believe that's true. You see, when you're saved, genuinely born again, God will deal with your heart as He does as you do with your children. When you're supposed to, suppose you have a little boy and a little girl. And then you have some neighbors have some children. They're over all there playing together. And all of a sudden they, they hit a ball and it goes through somebody's window and breaks the window. Now what do you do? Suppose it's your little boy that did it. What do you do to your little boy? While you say to the neighbors, you all go on home, I'm going to take care of my little boy. And you teach him not to knock a ball through somebody's window anymore. But now wait a minute. Suppose it's a neighbor child that did that. What are you going to do? You're going to say, you go home and tell your mother. Go home and tell your daddy. And they're going to deal with him. You're not going to deal with him. That's the way God does. If you're saved, if you're God's child, God's going to deal with you as as your child. You have to get saved again. Matter of fact, you're going to be born again one time. But after you're born into the family of God, if you're God's child, God's going to deal with you as His children. And He may have to with you. He may have to let some storms come in your life to get your attention. But He'll draw you back. If you're not saved, if you're just a pretender, you've joined the church, you've gotten baptized, but you're not really genuinely born again, you probably can live like you want to because you'll pay for your sins forever. If you're saved, Jesus already paid for your sins on the cross. He died for you. That's what grace is. But in that same grace teaches us something. It teaches us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live righteously and soberly in this present world. In other words, when you give your heart to Jesus, you really get saved, God's grace comes inside and says, you need to go to church. Oh, you mean I'm saved by going to church? No, 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 no. You're not saved by going to church, but after you get saved, you need to go to church. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a matter of something. See, the grace of God teaches you that. Now, if God's grace isn't teaching you that, you're not either not listening or you're not saved. One of the two. Because when God's grace comes in, He teaches you to come to church and listen to God's Word. 
He teaches you to quit your old filthy habits. I appreciate some of the folks in this room tonight who some years ago came down this altar and said, that God's convicted me about my cigarettes. They put them on the altar. Quit them. Now, if God can enable one person to do that, He can enable other people to do that. Why did they do that? Do you have to quit smoking to go to heaven? No. A thousand times no. But the grace of God that bringeth salvation teaches us something. It teaches us to live godly, soberly, righteously in this present world. We live in a time when teenagers think it's nothing to have premarital sex. They just live any old way they want to and they start early. They tell us that 60 to 70% of today's teenagers are sexually active. Now I want to tell you, do you have to quit sex in order to be saved? Listen to this. The great, you're saved by grace, not by anything you've done. But if you're really saved, the grace of God's going to teach you something. That grace of God is going to come in and say, it is impure to get involved in sex before you're married. It is not God's will. It is unrighteous. It is ungodly. And God's grace is going to teach you that. That's what the grace of God does. It teaches us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly and righteously in this present world. Now, is the grace of God teaching you that? Has God's grace been speaking to your heart about that area? How about the Bible? Most people use the Bible as a good luck charm. We just put it on the table. We like to have it in our homes, on a coffee table somewhere. But when you're saved, when you're saved, the grace of God will teach you that you need to study the Bible. Right. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The grace of God teaches us, denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live righteously and soberly in this present world. What about the lottery? Man. But gambling. The whole world gambles. Even some church groups gamble. Not long ago, the Kentucky legislature passed a, a legislation that said churches can have gambling license. Can you imagine that? You say, lottery's not gambling. That's helping our state and it's helping people get educated. That's uh, something that foolish people believe. That isn't true. That's right, man. The lottery is one of the biggest tools of devil that, that, that the devil has sold on Kentucky and the other, other and, and, and other states. Right. You know who plays the, the lottery? People can't afford it. I'm not going to ask for hands and I don't know how many of you have played it. But I will tell you, most of you can't afford it. I don't know about it. I can't afford it. And when you take money that should be used for milk and bread and eggs and some little gift for your mother or daddy, or something for education or something, and you play a lottery ticket with that, that's gambling. Right. And God says that's sin. And the grace of God that brings salvation comes into your heart and teaches you that's wrong. You say, well, I never heard that before. You're hearing it tonight. That's the reason God brought you here. Man. To hear it. So the grace of God could teach you 
that deny ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live righteously and soberly in this present world. That's the grace of God. You go out here and say, well, the preacher said if I play the lottery, I'm not going to heaven. I didn't say that. Did I? How many think I've said that? I didn't say anything like that. But I won't tell you. You're saved by grace. Nothing added, nothing subtracted. But that grace, when it once comes into your heart, begins to teach you something. Amen. And when you decide you don't want that grace to teach you anything, you can't just stay away from church. You don't want to hear it. And when a preacher comes to your house, you don't want to see him. You just go out the back door. I don't know how many times I've gone and knocked on some front door and uh, somebody else would go out the back door. So now when I take somebody with me, we go together, I go to the front door, or I say, you stay at the front door, I'll go around the back door. Like, Mom, man, I lost times I've met somebody coming out the back door. <laughs> Don't ever try to run from a preacher or from somebody that's come to talk to you about Jesus. God put them there. That shows God's dealing with you. God cares about you. That's God's grace extended out and say, if you won't come, then I'm going to come to you and talk to you about the Lord. That's God's grace. Now there's a third thing that God's grace does. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, you don't have to turn there, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul had a thorn in the flesh. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was poor eyesight. Maybe he was lame in his walk. Maybe he was melancholy up and down. Maybe he had depression. I don't know. But he had a thorn in the flesh. And he asked God three times to remove it. How many of you have ever had a problem in your life and you know what to do with it? You did not know what to do with it. Lift your hands. You had a problem you didn't know what to do with it. Almost everybody. Incidentally, adults, teens have a lot of problems. And, and sometimes they think that we don't think they have any problems. Teenagers have gobs of problems. You really do. How many of you teenagers tonight have had a problem that you didn't know what to do about? Lift you up your hand. All right, you have. Sure you have. Now listen. This scripture says Paul prayed three times that that problem would be removed. God didn't remove it. God said, no, I'm not going to remove it. But he said, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in your weakness. God will help you in a time of need. Amen. Kids, He'll help you with your problems. Whether they're boyfriend problems, girlfriend problems, money problems, get along with your parents' problems, whatever they are. God's grace will help you if you'll let it. And adults, God's grace will help you. When you go through a dark valley time, some of you have gone through there. Some of you have stood by some loved one who was dying and you didn't know what to do. You stood helplessly by and you saw that, that life fading away. And you said, Lord, I, I wish there was something we could do. And you call a doctor and the doctor said, well, I've done all I can do. And you just stand there helpless. Listen to what God's Word says. Right. My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. That's grace. Where did you get the grace? When you got saved. The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. For by grace are you saved through faith. And beloved, that grace is sufficient when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He'll be with you all the way. Dr. R.A. Torrey tells the story of his little child that got sick. He and his wife had a little boy they loved very, very much. He got sick. They prayed that he'd get well. And they waited and waited and waited by his bedside. They waited all night long. and It seemed like he was getting worse and worse. 
They prayed, Lord, do you hear us? Please, Lord, let our little boy live. But as the daybreak came, the little boy closed his eyes in death. They stood there and knelt there a little while and wept. And then Dr. Torrey said, there came stealing over my heart just a new joy. He said, I certainly wasn't happy that my little boy died, but there was a joy unspeakable and full of glory. It was God's grace. And I turned to my wife. I said, it's okay, honey. Jesus needed it more than we needed him. We'll meet him again. Let's just give him to God. And God enabled them to have grace when they walked through that dark hour. Grace is sufficient. And I will invite you to that grace tonight. If you've been saved, then let that grace of God teach you to live a godly life. You can't get too close to Jesus. The closer you get, the more you'll want to get closer to Him. If you've never been saved, I want to recommend the grace of God to you because God's grace will be sufficient. And without Him, like Brother James sang a while ago, without Him we can do nothing. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Our heads bowed before God for just a moment. How many in this place tonight can say, Preacher, I know what you're talking about. I've already experienced that grace. I have been saved. Jesus lives in my heart. And I love Him. If I die tonight, I'll go to heaven because of God's grace. Would you slip your hand up and hold it? And then take it back down. God bless you. Thank you. Hands down. I wonder if there's somebody here tonight who would say, Preacher, I don't know for sure about that. I know I need God's grace, but I'm not sure I've ever experienced it. I need to be saved. I need Christ as my Savior. Would you slip your hand up and hold it and then take it down? God bless you. God bless you. Is there somebody else? God bless you. God bless you. Is there another? I need Christ. Yes, God bless you. God sees you. Yes, God bless you. Is there another? God bless you. Anyone else? Pray for me. I need, I need God's grace. God bless you. God sees you. Is there another? God bless you. Yes. Is there anyone else? Alright. God bless you. Now I'm going to pray for you. But I want, to, I want to ask you to pray what I pray right now. With your head bowed and eyes closed, you pray what I pray. Those of you who lifted your hand, listen to this. You pray this very prayer. And God will hear you. Dear Lord Jesus, sitting here at the old log church, I heard you speak to me. I know I've sinned. I'm sorry for my sins. I ask you to forgive me and save me and come into my heart. Jesus, I trust you right now and I repent of all my sins. Give me the strength to walk down the aisle and take a stand for you. In Jesus' name. Now if you just prayed that prayer that I prayed, lift your hand. You just asked Jesus to come into your heart. You prayed that prayer. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. All right. Now, Father, thank you for all these hands. Help them now to step out to take a stand for Jesus tonight. In Christ's name, amen. Let's stand. What are we singing? Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. Brother Johnny Deacons is right here at the front. 246. Brother Johnny is right here at the front. And you'll come by. He'll, I want to ask you to come and just speak to him and let him know why you've come.
as we begin to sing. Those who lifted their hands, you come first. Come right on out. God bless you.